All right, the week has arrived. It is 2023 Ryder Cup week, folks. Uh, we're back. It has been two years since the last playing of the Ryder Cup, which was at Whistling Straits, and it was an exclamation point victory for the United States. Uh, but the purpose of this podcast, and I have seven pages of notes for today's podcast, we're going to go into some numbers. We're going to talk about the teams. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of the Ryder Cup. We're going to talk about Marco Simone Golf and Country Club. We're going to talk about it all. I'm uploading this Tuesday morning, so Friday morning, Friday, you know, actually overnight in the U.S. will be when it kicks off. I'm going to be up and watching all of this. I'm committed to this event. Um, I have been waiting for this moment for a long time. Um so this podcast might actually be a little longer than my normal one. So if you hear me stop and take a drink of water, I'm not editing that out. So, you know, whatever. What, what can you do? I just did it there. So hopefully that wasn't too loud. All right. Let's do it. Uh, Marco Simone Golf and Country Club in Rome. It all begins. Uh, you Right now, if you watch every morning uh, on the Golf Channel, you'll see the Live from the Ryder Cup panel and all that for a few hours. And then obviously the opening ceremonies will be Thursday at 9 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Eastern in Rome. That'll be a couple hours there. You'll see the opening ceremonies. And then Friday is when the action kicks off. Uh, We'll start here. We'll start with the rosters, and we'll talk about a couple things here. Uh, We'll start with the U.S. side, the United States of America. Six uh, players qualified, six captain's picks from Captain Zach Johnson. Uh, I'm going to give you the player. I'm going to give you their data golf ranking, which data golf is where I got a lot of these stats from. So shout out to data golf. You need to check it out right now. It's fantastic golf statistic models and, and such. Uh, then I'm going to give you their record at the Ryder cup as a whole. So uh, for the U S side, Scotty Scheffler is third in the data golf rankings, two Oh and one in his one Ryder cup in 2021 at whistling Straits. Uh, Xander Shoffley is fourth in the data golf rankings, 301 in 2021. Uh, Patrick Cantlay is fifth, 301 as well for him in 2021. Uh, Colin Morikawa is eighth. He went 301 in his debut at the Ryder Cup in 2021, playing alongside Dustin Johnson for a couple of those matches as well. They were dynamic. Uh, Max Homa is ninth in the Ryder Cup or in the uh, data golf rankings. He is a rookie. Um, then you also have uh, Brian Harmon is 16th. He's a rookie. Wyndham Clark is 13th. He's a rookie. Uh, then you get to the captain's picks. Ricky Fowler, 14th in the data golf rankings, 3-7-5. and five. Mr. Half is what people have been calling him. Uh, five halves in his Ryder Cup career. Uh, we'll see what version they get of him. He hasn't played in a Ryder Cup since Le Golf National in 2018. Uh, Jordan Spieth, 24th in the data golf rankings, 8-7-3 and three in the Ryder Cup. Uh, Justin Thomas, 45th in the data golf ranking, 6-2-1 in the Ryder Cup. Uh, that spans back, of course, 2018. When he was a rookie, he was phenomenal, and then he carried that on to 2021. Uh, Brooks Kepka, 50th in the data golf ranking, 6-5-1 in the Ryder Cup. And then Sam Burns is a rookie. Uh, he was the uh, lone rookie captain's pick. Uh, he's 19th in the data golf ranking. So the U.S. has a lot of firepower. They don't have as much as Europe does at the top, but they're better when it comes to depth, at least by the numbers. Um, then you have on the European side, John Rahm is sixth in the data golf rankings, 4-3-1 in the Ryder Cup. Roy McIlroy is first, 12-12-4 and four 
Uh, Victor Hovland is second, 0-3 and 2. Tommy Fleetwood is seventh, 4-2 and 2. Tyrrell Hatton is 10th, 2-4 and 1. Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, two Ryder Cups in his career, 2016 and 2021. He's 0-5 and 0. He's 15th in the data golf rankings. Justin Rose, 26, 13, 8 and 2. Uh, Ludwig Aberg or Aberge, Ludwig Aberge, if you want to go Swedish, 33rd. Uh, he's a rookie, obviously. Uh, Shane Lowry, 39th, 1-2-0 in the Ryder Cup. Sepp Straka, 43rd. He's a rookie. Nikolai Hoygaard, 64th. He's a rookie. And Robert McIntyre, 131st. He's a rookie. So a couple outliers there. Obviously, they have three players qualifying on points and three players qualifying on DP World Tour uh, statistic points and such. So McIntyre was one of those. Um so pretty much the captain's picks came down to just the selections by uh, European captain Luke Donald. Uh, looking back at the last four Ryder Cups, uh, it hasn't been close. There have been a lot of blowouts, and we haven't seen anything real close uh, since 2012 at Medina. Uh, 2021 Whistling Straits, the U.S. won 19-9. The average world golf ranking for those two teams, the U.S. was 8.9 average, which is really, really good. Uh, the best they've had maybe ever. I didn't run the numbers on that, but uh, Europe average world golf ranking in 2021 was 30.8. Um, I'd like to see that number now. I didn't actually look to get that number. Let me see if I can find that. Uh, but moving on here, uh, 2018 Le Golf National, Europe winning 17.5 to 10.5. Uh, U.S. was 11.2 average world golf ranking, and Europe was 19.1. Uh, 2016 at Hazeltine, the U.S. won 17-11. The U.S. 16.3 average world golf ranking, Europe 27.8. And then you have uh, 2014 Glen Eagles, Europe winning 16.5 to 11.5. It was a lot closer here. 16.3 average world golf ranking for the U.S., 19.9 for Europe. Um, So we can't be too surprised by that with the the way that the the teams have kind of, uh, you know, been put together, right? Uh, Let's see. So if you just look at the average world golf ranking now, um, the U.S. has the number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler, but Europe has 2, 3, and 4, and the U.S. has 5, 6, 7, 9, 10, 12, 17, 19, 20. So the U.S. entire team, uh, with the exception of Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas, who are 24 and 25, the U.S. has 10 of their 12 players in the top 20. Uh, Europe has... um, Several players that are outside of it. I believe six players out of the top 20 of the U.S. with only two. Uh, Sepstrock is 22nd, so he's pretty close right there. Um, so you look back, 2-2 split over the last four years. You go back to 2012, those, the the uh, the denial or the, um, the separation there with Europe winning in 2012, uh, 2010 as well. So, uh, so you look back. At 2012, Medina was a choke by the U.S. 2010, Celtic Manor was a win from Europe, and then the U.S. winning in 2008. So if you go back to 2010, Europe has won uh, four of six. So that's tough for the U.S. That's tough. Um, All right. Let's do some more numbers here. Uh, Let me get my second page of notes here. True strokes gained in the last three months. Um, And you're going to see... Kind of where the U.S.'s advantage in some areas and then some other parts where it's like, okay, Europe's team in data over the last three months looks pretty good. Uh, The number one player on either side in strokes gained, 
True Strokes team. I, I dropped my ball that I was holding. I'm sorry for that noise. Um, I'm holding a Whistling Straits Titleist uh, for Truefield. Uh, the number one and two players in True Strokes game over the last three months are Roy McIlroy at 2.91 and Victor Hovland at 2.74. And there's a pretty big drop to number three, which is Scotty Scheffler at 2.46. Uh, but that's where the U.S. kind of comes in and shows, okay, we have some uh, some serious, serious players in the top ten here, uh, whether it's Xander Shoffley's fourth, Patrick Cantlay's fifth, Brian Harmon is seventh, Colin Morikawa is eighth, Max Homa is ninth, and Ricky Fowler is tenth, and then Wyndham Clark eleventh. So Europe has three players in the top ten in true strokes gained over the last three months. The U.S. has seven. Uh, but then you look ten through twenty, the U.S. has uh, three players – Clark, Burns, and Spieth, while Europe has, you know, uh, Rom is 12th, which is, you know, Rom's form. I'm not going to – if you're a European fan, you should not be worried about John Rom coming into this tournament. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton, 13th, Matt Fitzpatrick, 15th, Ludwig, 16th, Straka, 17th, Hoygaard, 18th, Lowry, 19th. So, 1 through 10, U.S. has the advantage, except the fact that Europe does have number one and number two by a wide margin – uh, but Europe, the way that these two teams are kind of set up on paper and with the numbers, it, Europe seems a lot more like a U.S. team, and Euro- U.S. seems a lot more like a Europe te- European team, given the history of this this event. And we'll get into that even more with driving distance. Um, I put together some likely pairings. I just did six pairings on each side of pairings that I could see if they let players kind of. Uh, if like if I could pick an ideal partner for every player, I don't think we'll see all six of these pairings on each side because I think there are times where they might double up sessions. And I know this is this course is a very hard walk. We'll get to that, but uh, I think on the U.S. side it's pretty set in in who's a comfortable pairing for each player. I think it's Scheffler and Burns. I think it's Cantlay and Shoffley. I think those those two are very obvious. As Spieth and Thomas as well in four ball will be a factor. Uh, Wyndham Clark, Ricky Fowler. I think there's comfortability there. Uh, Brooks Kepka, Brian Harmon, I think as well. That would be that Kepka and Harmon just get it on the green because those are two of the U.S.'s best putters by the numbers. We'll get there though. Uh, Max Homa, Kyle Morikawa are two that I could see playing together. Um, and then just I threw out three random ones just on the side, like hey, this would be a fun pairing. Uh, Scheffler, Kepka, Speed Kepka would be fun. We saw Speed Kepka at Whistling Straits, and then Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas could be an interesting one as well. Uh, for the European side, I think Hovland and McElroy is going to be their heavy-hitting pairing. I think they'll send them out third or fourth on Friday, and we'll see how it goes. Rom Hatton, I think, could be the, the duo they send out first. Uh, Fleetwood Rose, I think that would be very formidable. You look at Rose's history in this event, plus Tommy Fleetwood's been a very a very solid Ryder Cup player. You look at his overall record, 4-2-2. Uh, two and two. Obviously, him and Molinari were terrific together. Um Matt Fitzpatrick, Robert McIntyre, uh, Shane Lowry, Sepp Straka, and then the, just the young hitting duo of uh, Aberg uh, and Hoygaard. And then I could also see Ludwig and McElroy, and then Rahm and Fleetwood or Hovland and Fitzpatrick as possible uh, duos as well. All right, let's do the numbers again here. This is uh, every player's record in the last Ryder Cup that they played. And for the U.S., all of these, each team has four rookies, so there's eight on each side here with the previous records. And all of these are 2021 for both sides, except for Fowler is 2018 and Rose is 2018 as well. Uh, so Scheffler, 2-0-1. Shoffley, 3-1-0. Cantley, 3-0-1. Morikawa, 3-0-1. Kepka, 2-2-0. Thomas, 2-1-1. Spieth, 1-2-1. And then obviously, the Golf National, Fowler, 1-3. 
Uh, so he had five halves in 2010, 12, 14, and 16. Five halves in five years, or five events. Um, European side, Rom, really the only strong performer for uh, for the for the European team. Three one and one in 2021. Rory won 3-0. and Hovland 0-3 and two total or, uh, in that one. Uh, Hatton won two and one. Fitzpatrick 0-3 and 0. Fleetwood 0-1 and two. Lowry one and two. And then in 2018, Justin Rose went two and two. Uh, so the next thing I have is individual metrics of the last six months for every player. There's a lot of numbers here, so I'm not even going to read them all, but I'll say, tell you some things that stand out. One thing that stands out to me is there's only two players this entire tournament or this entire event over the last six months that is negative in strokes gained putting, and they're both on the U.S. side. That's Scotty Scheffler at negative 0.43, of course, with him. Everything else is brilliant. He's the best ball striker on planet Earth right now. And Justin Thomas, negative 0.17. So that stands out. Uh, one thing that also stands out is that the T to green numbers uh, for Scotty Scheffler are ridiculous. He's plus 3.08 in T to green over the last six months. The second best player in this tournament to that is Patrick Cantlay plus 2.12. So that's almost, that's almost a full one over the next best. Uh, uh, another couple things here, uh, approach play is going to be extremely important in this event. The U.S. has some very, very strong approach players, whether it's Scheffler at plus 1.20 uh, or Shoffley 1.17 or uh, Morikawa 1.07 or Kepka 1.09. Um, some very strong ones there. Europe, a little bit more iffy when it comes to approach play. They don't have anybody that's uh, above... 1.0 or more. Uh, their closest is uh, John Rahm at plus 0 0.94. Um, around the green, also important, there's some very easy spots to get in trouble at this golf course. Uh, and if you hit your approach shot that it doesn't hit the green, that's going to be a big part of this tournament as well. So around the green metrics, uh, the U.S. probably has the advantage there, but I think it's a lot closer than people think. Um, off the tee, though, I think is where Europe can flex their muscles a little bit. Because uh, outside of Scotty Scheffler and probably Colin Morikawa, or actually Patrick Cantlay, uh, outside of those two, probably I would disregard Morikawa. He's under plus uh, 0 0.60, but <clears throat> that's where Europe is better with Rory, with Rom, with Hovland, with Fleetwood, with Ludwig. Those four right there are better than just about every U.S. player with the exception of Scotty Scheffler. Um, putting, though, let's get back into the putting discussion. Uh, no matter what the course is like, putting is obviously always a huge part of this. We saw that at the Solheim Cup last week where the U.S. ended up in a great spot to be able to win it, and they just couldn't hang on. Nelly Korda struggled with the putter. 14-14, uh, Europe retained the cup and the Solheim Cup. And, and I think the whole retaining thing is stupid. But if the U.S. retains here, I'm, you know, whatever. I'm not going to not gonna bad night at that. Um, putting, though, you look at some of the U.S.'s best putters. Uh, their best putter over the last six months. Remember, all these metrics are the last six months. Their best putters over the last six months are Xander Shoffley, Wyndham Clark, Brooks Kepka, Brian Harmon, Sam Burns. Okay. Those are the best ones. And those are like the best putters on either side. Because if you look at some of the putting metrics, 
the U.S. has a pretty serious advantage in putting over the last six months with form. Uh, because you look at these numbers, the best putter on the European side over the last six months is Matt Fitzpatrick at plus 0.70. The U.S. has Shoffley's better than that, Kepka's better than that, Harmon's better than that. Three guys right there that are all better than that. Uh, but then you look at some of the U.S.'s putters that haven't, that are good putters but haven't putted very well. They're still pretty good numbers. I mean, uh, Homa's 0.55, uh, Fowler's 0.42. Like a lot of these putters are better than what Europe has. However, the U.S. does have the negative stroke gain putters such as Scheffler and Thomas over the past six months. Europe doesn't have that, but they have a couple guys close, whether it's uh, Ludwig is 0.06 or you have 0.04 Bob McIntyre. Uh, but overall, I think the U.S. has the advantage there. Uh, moving along here to driving, this is going to be very, very important in this tournament is driving distance and accuracy. That's where I think Europe flexes the muscles. In years past, we've seen the U.S. teams have a lot of driving distance. I think Europe's going to have that advantage. Um, so on the U.S. side, in distance, they have Wyndham Clark is their longest hitter, uh, plus one three five three in driving distance. Uh, Sam Burns, Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, Patrick Cantlay round out the top five. Uh, and then Thomas is sixth, Fowler, Homa, Shoffley, Spieth, Morikawa, Harmon. Harmon and Morikawa, both accurate drivers, but both short hitters. And that could be an issue for the U.S. Accuracy, the U.S. has uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players out of 12 that are plus percentage in driving accuracy over the last six months. Uh, Europe has... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those. So nine to seven for the U.S. there and plus percentage driving accuracy. Uh, but distance, Roy McIlroy plus 26.92 in driving distance over the last six months. That's double anybody on the U.S. side. And uh, that's also 11, plus 11 over Ludwig, who's second. So... Ludwig and Rory could be a serious, serious duo if Luke Donald decides to put them together. Uh, so the shortest hitter on the European side is Matt Fitzpatrick, plus 1.60 driving distance over the last six months, minus 2.2% accuracy. So Harmon is minus 6.33 driving distance and plus 6.3% accuracy. So the thing that the U.S. has is that their two really short hitters are far more accurate than Europe's shortest hitters, with the exception of Straka, who's pretty accurate, and Fleetwood as well. But uh, I do think Europe has the driving distance. By the models of the last six months, driving distance favors Europe, but accuracy, I think, slightly favors the U.S., especially with Patrick Cantlay. Patrick Cantlay is the most accurate driver over the last six months out of anybody in this tournament. Uh, plus 8.1% is ahead of 7.5% for Fleetwood. That's pretty formidable. I think all the numbers are lining up again for me to say, okay, Xander and Patrick Cantlay are going to be lethal again. And I think that there's good reason to believe that. All right, let's do some Ryder Cup facts. Ryder Cup facts. Uh, okay, I got four from you here. Theanalyst.com is where I got these. A so shout out to them with their preview, theanalyst.com. Uh, seven of the last nine Ryder Cups have been decided by a gap of five or more points. So my prediction says that this will be closer, but we'll get there. 
1979, only four of 21 Ryder Cups have had a deficit overturned in singles. That Those uh, four came in 1993, 95, 99, and 2012. Uh, the U.S. has won 13 of 21 singles sessions, while Europe has won 43% of four-ball and foursome sessions. And then finally, only three golfers have won all five sessions since 1979, when this obviously started to be the U.S. against Europe. Um, Larry Nelson did it in 1979 for the U.S. team. Dustin Johnson did it for the U.S. team in 2021. And Francesco Molinari in 2018 for Europe got it done. Uh, Let's look at some Marco Simone Golf and Country Club stuff, some stats, some things to consider when you're watching, some more context for the golf shots that you're seeing. I can take my headphones off because they're just hurting my head at this point. Um, Only the third time a Ryder Cup has been staged in continental Europe is this year. Uh, Paris in 2018, Spain in 1997, Valderrama, obviously. Paris was the Golf National. And then Italy this year, uh, Europe is 2-0 in the other two Ryder Cups in continental Europe. Uh, It helps that the U.S. hasn't won a Ryder Cup in Europe for 30 years, and that only goes back 26. Uh, It's a tough walk. By all accounts, you look at the quotes from Zach Johnson, you look at the quotes from Luke Donald, you look at the quotes from some of the vice captains, Stuart Sink, uh, this is a tough walk. So you might not see players playing all five sessions. I think it still kind of has to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't for players that we might expect to play five going in. Uh, Some numbers that you might want to consider. This course is it is 155 feet from the low point in the middle of the front nine to the high point on the back, so elevation changes are legit. Uh, There are as many as nine semi-blind approach shots to elevated greens, and this golf course is 24 miles east of the Mediterranean Sea, so it's subject to the most modest prevailing winds, um, according to PGATour.com. Next up, you want to find the fairway. Marco Simone has 31.5 acres of fairway. In context, there were um, 22 acres of fairway at Royal Liverpool where the Open Championship was this year where Brian Harmon won, and there were 50 acres of fairway at LACC at the U.S. Open when Wyndham Clark won. So Marco Simone can be a lot more penal when it comes to less fairway. Even though it has more fairway than Royal Liverpool, you can get in a lot more trouble at Marco Simone. Uh, Four of six possible eagle opportunities are on the back nine. There are three drivable fours and three par fives on this golf course. Um, One of those drivable fours goes over the water. I believe it's the fifth hole. So I think that'll be a layup situation for a lot of players. Uh, But four of the six possible eagle opportunities being on the back means that matches will be very interesting once they turn to the back nine. Uh, Just going over the holes, the first – Hole is a 444-yard, 445-yard par four. Second is a 506-yard par four. The third is a 453-yard par four. The fourth is a 188-yard par three. The fifth is a 302-yard par four. That's the one I was talking about over the water. I think a long iron into a wedge is probably the play there for a lot of these guys, or I guess, you know, a three-wood or hybrid or whatever they want to use, a uh, two-iron. Um, 381-yard par four, sixth. 222-yard par 3, 7th, 525-yard par 4, 8th, 587-yard par 5, 9th, 453-yard par 4, 10th, the par 4, 11th is 329 yards, the par 5, 12th is 546 yards, the par 3, 13 is 150 yards, the par 4, 14 is 509 yards, the par 4, 15 is 479 yards, 
the par four 16th is 303 yards. The par three 17th, 206. And the final hole is a par five, 597 yards. It is a par 71. It is 7,181 yards long. All right. A couple other facts here. This was, this course was redesigned in August, 2018. It was completed. The redesign was completed in March, 2021, led by European golf design in cooperation with Tom Fazio II, and they had the drama of match play in mind when redesigning the golf course. All right, we're 24 minutes in. I'm going to take another drink of the water. Hold on a sec. All right. Predictions. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven individual predictions. Random things here and there. I'll do a review of the tournament or the event on Sunday, probably maybe Monday. We'll see. All right, let's do it. The score after day one will be, to me, five and a half to two and a half. While Europe has been very good in foursomes and four ball, I think we're going to see somewhat of a shift this year in the way that this goes down. I think we'll see a bit of a shift. Uh, The first match, I think, if I had to guess, I think Europe will send out John Rahm and Tyrrell Hatton, and I'm going to say the U.S. will send out uh, Max Homa and Kyle Morikawa. That's a total guess, though. Who knows? I'm more confident in my European prediction with Rahm going out first. I remember it was Rahm and Sergio against Spieth and JT in 2021. I don't think they're going to have Spieth and JT play in foursomes. You have to remember, you know, foursomes and four ball four ball it seems like the more of the forte for for jt and speed uh the most surprising player on each side for the u.s side i'm going to say sam burns i think sam burns people look at his president's cup record and say what the hell is he on the team for sam burns as i laid out in the stats earlier he's a good putter he is um he's a pretty good player off the tee and he's a decent tee to green player, but putting is really where he's going to come into play, especially playing with Scotty Scheffler. On the European side, I'm going to go with the guy with the worst metrics and the guy that's least qualified and probably the worst player on paper on the field in the field going into it. I think Robert McIntyre is going to surprise some people. I really think he will. Um, he's won at this golf course. He won the 2022 or 20. Was it 2021 or 22 Italian Open as Nikolai Hoygaard won one as well? So Europe has two guys that have won on this golf course before. Uh, but I think he's going to surprise some people. Then disappointments, I'm going to say Brooks Kepka on the U.S. side. Um, Kepka complained about blind shots, not liking them at LACC. As I mentioned, there's going to be some blind shots out here. So I just don't think it's going to be the greatest week for Brooks. His form since the uh, PGA hasn't been great. He was okay at the U.S. Open, but uh, I hope I'm wrong. But that's my my pick there. And I think the expectations for Victor Hovland are so high going in. His Ryder Cup record at this point is not good, but there's a lot of cases on the European side where some of these guys are in better form or better players now than they were a few years ago. Like Rory, I think, is better than he was playing a couple years ago. Uh, Hovland, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, all those guys are better than they were before the last – Hatton as well probably. Um, so I'm going to say Hovland's a disappointment though. I just think that he's not going to play very well. I don't know. We are like a month removed from him being great in the season, and he's obviously very talented, but that's just a prediction. Uh, after day two, I'm going to say the U.S. and Europe go 4-4 on day two, so 9.5 to 6.5. Give the U.S. a three-point lead going into Sunday. Um, and then I think the final score, I'm going to go 15-13. So I have the U.S. going 5.5 to 2.5 on day one, so they'll win foursomes and four ball. And then tying in day two, and then Europe winning singles 7 6 
on day or wait, that's that's not that's that's improper math. Six five on uh or wait. Jesus, what am I doing? Five and a half. Okay. Six and a half, four and a half. No, still the wrong math. I'm so dumb. Anyway, 15-13. I'm going to say Europe wins singles to make a run, but the U.S. gets it done. The top scorer from each side, give me Patrick Cantley on the U.S. side. Accurate driver, good driver. Um, putting leaves a little bit to be desired, but he's been very good in the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. Seems to find a different level in this in these situations. And then I think it's the same thing with John Rahm on Europe. I know he hasn't played well for a few months, but I think Rob's going to be very good in this tournament. So, all right, those are my predictions. Those are my stats. Those are the things that I've laid out. I'll have all these notes ready to go during the tournament anyway. Uh, final thing here, two things. we got a poll in this podcast to be viewed on Substack. You'll see a poll. Vote on the poll who you think is going to win the 2023 Ryder Cup. And here is your TV schedule in Central Time. Uh, Thursday, opening ceremonies, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. on the Golf Channel. Friday, foursomes and four-ball sessions from 12.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. on USA Network. Saturday, foursomes and four-ball sessions from uh, 12.30 to 2 a.m. on USA Network. And then moving over to NBC and Peacock, 2 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then Sunday, singles, October 1st, 4.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. on NBC and Peacock. I am extremely excited. This is the most I get excited for any sort of golf event. Take the majors, whatever. I like the Ryder Cup the most, and I'm very excited. I think this is the U.S.'s real chance to finally get it done again in Europe for the first time in 30 years. We're going to see what happens. It's going to be very fun to watch. I'm extremely excited to watch it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can check out. I'll be tweeting a lot probably during this tournament. Why do I keep calling it a tournament? I should call it an event. It's an event during this event. It's a tournament, but it's also an event. So uh, we'll see how it goes, and uh, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed. I hope you read it, like it, subscribe. There'll be a couple stats in here that I read off from the uh, from the podcast in the description. So enjoy.